As I just mentioned, we are taking a one-week break from our First Corinthians series, and today we're going to meditate on a paragraph from Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. The title of my message is Treasuring God's Word in Our Hearts. Past weeks, we've been going through Book of Hebrews, and it's been uh, timely for, for our community, especially for me. Some of you are very familiar with this passage because you just spent time uh, meditating on this passage uh, last week. So let me begin with this passage from Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 3. It caught my eyes and my heart that morning. It reads, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Warning for all of us not to drift away from what Christ has spoken to us through his word, through scripture. There is a a subtlety of this warning because the superiority of Jesus, supremacy of Jesus Christ over angels, what God has delivered through angels is reliable enough because anything that angels delivered was trustworthy. It's directly from God. And how much more? What Christ has spoken, Christ has delivered to us. And if God brought retribution for all the disobedient people to his word through the angels, delivered by angels, how shall we escape? Verse 3 says, if we neglect such a great salvation, what Christ has done. Let me begin with this thought. The reason why I think I'm speaking on this is not because we lack the knowledge of it. It's not that we don't know it, but actually I am bringing the torch up to heat up the value we have, which is scripture guidance. We might think that the elementary things that we've learned, oh, we ought to read Bible, we ought to meditate on God's word, We are to live by God's word. We all know that. But as the warning hints us, our default mode, in other words, if we leave our hearts alone, our default mode is to drift away from God's word. 
So next Sunday, as a uh, two home groups kick off their gatherings, and the following Sundays, um, the other home groups will kick off. The home group leaders will talk about the importance of quiet time and sharing about maybe even practical tips. I don't know what, how they will lead that, but I'm going to leave that quiet time stuff to the home group leaders for them to handle the first meeting gathering. But today, in general, I'd like to, us to pay attention to Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. As you know, this is a <clears throat> systematic psalm, a more of a teaching tool as well, the Israelites to teach their next generation about God's word. And every paragraph starts with Hebrew alphabet. And this happens to be the second alphabet, verse 9 through 16. We're asking three questions in this text. Why should we treasure God's word in our hearts? Before we go into how or anything, let's ask that question and get a draw what God has said through this passage. And secondly, let's define just a little tightly what does it mean to treasure God's word in our hearts. And lastly, how can we practically daily, day by day treasure God's word in our hearts? A simple three things. Here's the first question. Why should we treasure God's word in our hearts? Number one, it begins with the question, how can a young man Verse 9, keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. In other words, it directs us to keep our way pure and godly. So the implication is that without it, our ways will deter away from godly ways and become our hearts will become impure. Number two, it has the power to keep us away from sin. Verse 11, this is actually the key verse that we're focusing on the from, from which I got the title of the message. I have stored up in your word, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you look at NIV, it will say, I have hidden. Other translations, maybe American, New American Standard Version, will say, I have treasured your word. ESV says, I have stored up. I have stored up your word in our heart. So all those expressions are correct. The idea is there is a value hiding not because you're ashamed of it, hiding because it's so precious. You know, in the old days, there were no banks and there's no uh, security uh, things. So what you do is you hide it deep in your most precious closet or somewhere 
So that's the picture. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might, that I might not sin against you. The implication again, without it, I will sin against you. We'll hold for the meaning what does it mean to, to actually do that a little later. Third reason is it keeps us God-centered in a man-centered world. And this is really crucial for us because, once again, if our default mode is to drift away from God, left alone, Our society's default mode has continually become man-centered. And the first Corinthians problem was that too, wasn't it? In one word, their problem was worldliness. Instead of church becoming an impacting factor, influencing the world as light and salt, the worldly culture and ways were impacting church and smear into the church culture and then in, in, in our days if we are not careful not vigilant church can be very men centered way verse 10 with my whole heart I will seek you let me not wander from your Commandments. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. These are the conditional things to get to what we want, that God becomes a means to an end. And the major problem of American churches these days is that prosperity gospel is the most popular, which is really false gospel. God is not a means to an end. God is an end. Our pursuit of God should be an end. And that actually becomes the central vision of Christ's church, true church. So think with me. It doesn't take evil church, evil group of people to become very men-centered and drift away from God. It becomes very relevant churches. Savvy churches become drifting away from God and God's word. Become totally man-centered. God exists for man rather than man exists for God. God is not the subject. We are the subject. And God is a very useful God rather than God is a holy sovereign God who calls us to join him and join his sovereign plan and purpose. As these two verses kind of indicates, it's point to the ultimate goal of life, to glorify God by enjoying in him. Fourth and last, verse 13 through 16 Guess what that is? With my lips I, I declare, 
all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Man-centered church, man-centered Christian, worldly Christians, would they do that? Spiritually sick people, would they do that? Naturally. I, 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 I really think that the sign of spiritual vitality are these. People who desire God. People who continually long for God. And that is not the first. Therefore, they do that. It's because they do that, those feelings come. It is actually spiritual vitality and joy. Joy. Without God's word, without treasuring God's word in our hearts, there is no true joy deep in our heart. Because we don't experience God in a real way. Without God's word and treasuring God's word in our hearts, our spiritual vitality is somewhere beyond the blue, kind of dreamy world. Some missionaries and very extraordinary people enjoy that only. Here's my prayer for all of us, including me, as we begin this new fall. That our lives will be vital, spiritually. That we are the people of joy, not shallow happiness and pleasures and entertainment, but joy that is exceeding joy in God. So here are the four reasons why we should treasure God's word in our hearts. What does it mean? Looking at the scripture, we could at least name four. First first, uh, meaning of treasuring God's word in our hearts is it means to store up scripture in our thoughts, and minds and feelings. Being readily available. Do you remember that sometimes when you watch a very uh, late night movie, when you go to sleep, you will actually dream about that. It's in our subconscious level. It's stored up. Some, some people who are actually meditating on the scripture memory, scripture memory, they actually said that that's one of the tips that that we would meditate and memorize scripture right before we go to sleep, because it remains in the subconscious level. It works for them. But the point that I'm making is treasuring God's word is storing up. So maybe we could even, in a computer language, the data has to be come in, has to come in. It has to be uploaded. 
storing up. Imagine this. You get a call from your friend, and they're in a crisis, in major car accident, and then you're called to visit, and as you try to care for that person, what word of God comes to your mind? Is there a stored up thing? You're not a pastor, you're not an official leader of the church, but that's a very dear friend of yours. And then her husband or her, her wife, his wife would say, give us a word. Do you have a word for us? Aren't you a Christian? Unless we store up scripture in our minds. This is the thing that in, in Western thoughts, a heart is a uh, implication is that head is more thinking and heart is more feeling. Hebrew thought is actually both. Much of the times when you read in scripture, hearts, even in this case, it refers to more our mental process and our minds because it's, it's a center of our being. So it's not just the feelings and it's not just the minds, but it is our inner life, inner thoughts, inner feelings. Number two, it also means not wandering from God's word but seeking it with our whole hearts. I'm making observations from the text directly also too. Uh, treasuring has that intentionality of clinging to God's word, to it, rather than wandering from God's word. Thirdly, it also means to use our mouth, and there's a word, I will declare your testimonies. Use our mind, I will meditate on your word. Use our eyes to fix on, from, from uh, today's passage, and the feeling is, feelings is delight in. Did you know that our intentional, deliberate obedience to feel things is part of command here, to delight in, rather than waiting for? So maybe uh, one way to put it is, I don't know who said it, Act your ways into feeling instead of feeling. Try to feel your ways into acting, because you will never get to it. How many times do you feel like I want to get up and feed my baby or take care of my sick child in the middle of the night? You act your way into it because you're willful side. But as you do that, you feel so much compassion. You don't mind your sleeplessness. 
You feel so much love. To a point that some, some moms and dads would say, I would rather have that high fever on me rather than on my child. The same thing with scripture. I'm going to hold myself back because on the how part we're going to talk about dealing with our feelings and just when God's word becomes so dull to us. But it, it means a deliberate use of mind, our mouth and eyes and feelings, not to forget God's word. That's what it means to treasure God's word in our hearts. And fourthly, it means to value God's word, not just as our authority or supreme authority of our faith and conduct, but also as our treasure, more precious than silver or gold. Is it? So think of your time with God or scripture memory. Suppose there's a prize every each week. And if you memorize a verse or if you become consistent in your quiet time, and there will be a thousand dollars waiting for you. And suddenly picture changes, right? There's no problem, I'll do it. At the end of the week, I get a thousand dollar every week. But in yet Psalm one nineteen, I mean even one nine Psalm nineteen verse ten said that it is more to be desired to be more than gold, fine gold, sweeter than honeycomb. Do we really believe God is God is trustworthy? That what he's saying is really true. Once again, what does it mean to treasure? It means to deliberately, intentionally value God's word, not just the authority to which we submit ourselves, but also as God's gift and pleasurable treasure that God has given to us in our daily walk. More than money, more than anything that we could enjoy, we actually are missing out a lot. That has to be registered in our, in our minds. So these are four ways of looking at what it means to treasure God's word in our hearts. Now, let me be utterly practical. How is there is a five ways to treasure God's word in our hearts? I'm basing all this on verse 11. I have stored up your heart, your, your word in my heart, that I might, might not sin against you. There are five ways. Number one is hearing. Faith, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. 
Hearing means that we hear the word from preaching and teaching, reading of God's word, even this morning by Maddie. The second way is reading, reading the word on our own with a plan, with consistency. And number three is studying the word, studying the word personally as a group in our home groups with our accountability partners and digging into God's truth. Number four is memorizing. Memorizing God's word to have sword of spirit readily available for defeating the devil in various circumstances. Number five, and lastly, meditating. Meditating on God's word and thinking of its meaning and application over and over. The cow has several stomachs that they will chew on it, chew on their food, and put it in one stomach and regurgitate and chew on it again and put it in another stomach. That is a process of meditation. So this is how, at least five ways to treasure. But to, to make it memorable, I remember I spoke similar things about this in uh, Exceeding Joy in God series. I didn't do well, so I'm going to grab it this time really well, hopefully. My early Christian walk, I, I learned this concept from one of the navigator staff. Uh, who mentored me, who happens to be Wade Holland's elder brother. I met Dale Holland 10 years prior to Wade. Well, I should say about seven years prior to. I didn't meet Wade yet. <clears throat> the navigator calls this the word hand. Uh, Dawson Trutman came up with it, I think. Let's go with uh, the five things again. The, the shortest one, which is probably the easiest one, is hearing the word. You're actually hearing the word this morning. And when you drive and listen to uh, radio and listen to a sermon, it, it is one of the hearing, too. The practical things about hearing. When you think about the parable of a sore, the one who receives, the heart condition is more important than the deliverer. The God's word is a life-giving power. But if you're on a roadside or thorny, thorny road, a problem is there's a limitation of the seed digging into the roots, into your heart. So which means... Without legalism, I think we ought to think about our Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. Do we prepare a heart? And our, our worship team is working at that in that sense that our worship becomes uh, the mixture of the serious, seriousness before God, gravity. We know the gravity of God's holiness. God's sovereignty. And then the other one, the other side is 
there is a delight and freedom and joy and celebration. So I'm I'm, I'm repeating myself again. Without legalism, Saturday night, preparing your heart. Instead of worldly way of staying up late night and partying and whatnot, preparing our hearts to go to sleep and to, to have plenty of sleep before. By the way, this is a key for solitude and silence day also too. If you prepare your heart the night before, so Saturday, Saturday morning, the next month we're going to have another one. It's, it makes total difference. When you come to church, you're sitting outside and talking and chatting. How about preparing our hearts? Not so much of legalistic with formalism and sitting down as if you don't, you're not really praying, but you're kind of thinking about so many laundry lists that but appear to be praying. I'm not talking about things like that. Let's throw away the bad things from the generation before. But the idea of preparation, heart preparation, is godly thing. We could chit-chat, we could share and, you know, catch up during the lunchtime. Second thing is reading. Okay, our quiet time is not reading, so I'll explain why. But some of us have never gone through the Bible and even chronically speaking, or the story-wise, it's a very choppy, right? But if you know the Lord of the Rings, and you need to know the from the beginning to the end, you need to know the story, right? It's like that. So what I would recommend, and nowadays we even have a, you know, our smartphones to do that, and don't even need to carry the Bible, Every time when you have a few minutes while, while waiting for your dentist appointment. Let's say you start with the Genesis. There is no limit as long as you're interested in that story. You hang in there. And sometimes I did that and I, I read, read about 10, 15 chapters a day. Sometimes one chapter a day because of limited time. But we read through that rather than Spending a lot of time wasting on other things, including Facebook. There is a freedom in it, people. If you say, oh, I'm going to read through Genesis this, this coming you know, weeks. So you could read through it. Sometimes you, you're busy and you're tied up with a lot of things. You might not be able to read. But it's a storyline. And as you read through the story, what happens is that the choppy pictures come together. Oh, I see the connection, continuity. And after Genesis, you can move on to the Exodus. Even Exodus now, we're somewhat familiar with the continuity of Exodus story up until now because of our Exodus study in home groups, isn't it? See, you see what I mean. You, you, you don't have to get bogged down to one thing. 
for example, some of you go through a lot of difficult times. I would suggest book of Psalms. Go through Psalms. And I will even say this. If you are going certain feelings there, very difficult times, look for the beginning of Psalmist expression. And find those chapters. Find those Psalms and read to it. It will mean so much to you. In the middle of nowhere, as you're waiting for your kid at your school, uh, you're lined up and you're picking up the kids. During those few meaningless minutes, God can meet you. And thirdly, the longest finger, study. It takes a systematic study time, right? So when you go through, we're going to resume Exodus study. I would encourage you, challenge you even. Volunteering for, for, for leading a study will help you the most. You're going to dig into it. All the resources are there. Okay, so if you have tried it, or if you have not tried it, even every, every study that you're do, going through, you could do extra just studying the passage ahead. All the resources will be available. You are not leading, per se, the coming week, but you are digging through the text itself with all the resources available. And that study during home group time will become much more meaningful to you. For those of you who are parents, and one of the freak, most frequent prayer requests about, uh, from the parents, young parents, are parenting. Wisdom and discernment for parenting. You could actually do a word search from Proverbs in general and sort out all the parenting verses from the Proverbs and study through it. Yes, you could do that. You don't have to be a theologian to do that. And memorize. Men and women's group, we should do that. I think I need, it is my responsibility to bring up the torch again. Um, to continue to memorize, we used to have a little packet. It's a scripture memory system. You memorize in your car, memorize uh, to make sure that those things are stored up. First Peter 5.7 is one of, one of the scripture memory. I, it's stored up in my head. Uh, some of you heard about it. Some of you probably don't know what happened. A prayer meeting. I'm leading, right? This is unheard of things. And I got a call that my mom is car accident. In car accident. And she's out of nowhere. And at, at first I said, somebody will take care of it. And wait a minute. My sister and his sister-in-law is out of town for one week. My brother can't drive because of sickness right now. So I had to leave. Do you know my anxious heart? I'm not knowing about what, what, what happened. 
And I, as I'm arriving, I, I find out, you know, it's, she tells me she's fine physically. But one of those intersections, I have two, car, two police cars and people cleaning up in the middle. I'm talking about massive accidents. And two cars are being towed away. One of them is my mom's car. And I looked at it, and the, the tow truck driver said, it's totaled. And I believe him without a doubt. It's just massive de- damage in the front section, in the engine's part. First Peter 5, 7. Cast out all your anxiety, anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. That's the verses I constantly bring up to my my mind. That's right. God, you care for me. You care for my mom. I cast out all these worries, all these concerns to you. And actually, I, as a matter of fact, I'm still doing that. Uh, you know, making the phone call and I realize they're going to actually have to call me to follow up. And I'm thinking, Great. You know, they have a minivan and it's a small car, but the one car is gone, and what's going to happen? All these worries. And I'm just using my example as a source of worries, what God's, God's word and memorization can really help us. And you could do that in the middle of the night when you hear the whispers of the enemy. They could memorize the verse. But there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I dread? Even the war arises against me, I shall not fear. And lastly, meditation. Meditation is, once again, thinking on it. This, this is probably one of the most challenging things in our generation because there's so much t- distraction going on. And therefore, our time for meditation has to be unhurried. That doesn't mean it has to be long. And that's why the quiet time Mental prime time is so important. So now, this illustration will be helpful for you, for all of us. Let's say you're on a treasure God's word with only one pinky, hearing. Just all you do is hear God's word when you come to church. It will be awfully hard. Hear and read. It's so hard. Hear and read and study. Oh, Barely. But it could fall. Hear, read, study, and memorize. Whoa! Stable. Right? Henry, can you do that? Yeah. But spiritual battle is real. The evil one comes and snatches out of it. Our hand. That's why the meditation is the key. Why? We read and meditate, I mean, we hear and meditate, 
We read and meditate. We study and meditate. We memorize and meditate. Now, Henry, use all the five fingers. And the evil one comes, try to get it. We have treasured God's word in our hearts. One last practical thing. Last we feel, how do we start this coming fall, even this coming week? There are four things to remember, to keep in mind. Remember why we're apt to drift away from God without God's word. In other words, I need to declare, I need God's word desperately, whether I feel for it or not. Don't you know the pastors, most, most pastors struggle is a lack of desire for time alone with God for himself or even herself. Not preparing, not teaching. In that sense, I ask for your prayer for me. Second thing, remember to begin with, I'm sorry, remember to begin with baby steps. It's like same principle with working out. If you work out too much one day, as you begin, you're going to get sore. You won't be able to work out for the rest of the week. Start with very tangible way. Don't try to make an elaborate, idealistic time with God. What you can do. So, for example, you could um, Sunday come in. And sit with God for a few few minutes. Instead of talking to people, it's preparing your heart. And when you go to when you go to some place doctor's appointment, read through some of the books. And set aside twenty minutes or quiet time, just read through it and focus on one passage to reflect on God, what do you what do you desire to see in me in my life through this passage? Simple thing. Baby steps. And somewhere along the line, you will want to spend more time with God and more uh, have a plan for study and other things as well. Number three, remember that it is a fight of the good fight of the faith. So don't give in. Don't act like something will automatically happen when I study the Bible, when I open the Bible. It is a fight. And Taco and I got together, we have a fight plan, top 10 list together. In other words, as you were looking ahead, it's starting this coming you know, Monday. What will be our determination? Become a warrior. If you don't have a plan, if you don't sharpen your focus, and it will take your desire away. Number four, and finally, remember the power of community. If you do it alone, you will most certainly fail. But not only that, it's easier to do it together and it's more fun to do it together. I had a great time having quiet times with my boys over the summer. And as a family. There's some days that they got up before me. I mean, they got up and before I prompted them they're looking for quiet time questions. 
of course, the younger ones, not, not the older ones. <laughs> I've said enough. My challenge is this. Whatever God has spoken to you, do not quench the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's some spark going on to not pour cold water on it of your cynicism, of your negativism. Respond to it. Lord, I, I desire. Help me. Give me faith. Increase my faith so that I start walk, walking with you. Would you do that? Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, and thank you for your word. Your, your word is truly a lamp to our feet. And it is a source of life-giving power to keep us away from sin, to guide us into your path, to give us delight and joy in you. I pray for each one of us as we fight against distraction that the enemy, the evil one brings, whatever that distraction might be, we pray that you will give us a heart of warrior this week to focus on you, to fix eyes, eyes, our eyes on you. We pray against the legalism and perfectionism. Keep us humble as we delight in your word. And I pray for new beginnings and new vitalities, a new joy in God. Revive us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.